I don't know if you uh, have walked into a jewelry store recently and you have uh, seen, you know, the way that they display like diamonds so that you really are in awe of how sparkly these things are. Right. They they put a background that's a dark background so that there's a contrast between the diamond and the background, because if they had something brighter, then you wouldn't see how sparkly the diamond is. You just see, well, this whole thing is bright. Right. So they, they have this dark background and then they have a light that shines on the diamond so that the diamond sparkles and you can see all of the sparkles of that diamond. And then you, they have the diamond itself, which is beautiful. Okay? Now, the reason I say that is because these three weeks that we're in right now are kind of like that setup. Okay, so last week, if you were here last week, we talked about the wrath of God, and nobody likes talking about the dark background in a jewelry shop. Right? That's just not why you're there. You're not there to see, oh, here's the dark background, but it's really important to see that contrast. And so last week was the wrath of God, and that was the contrast. This week is the light itself that's shining on the diamond, and then next week we finally get to the diamond of the gospel itself. Okay? So last week you endured the wrath of God, and I I applaud you for that. You came back this morning. Good for you. Uh, This week we're going to talk about the light and how that shines on the diamond and highlights for us how beautiful the diamond is. And then next week you'll have to come back because that's the best one. That's when you get to see the diamond shine itself. Okay? But this morning I want to read for you, and you can turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 9. We're at the end of 9, beginning of 10. And I'm going to read this whole passage and then we'll go back and look at it piece by piece. Romans chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 30. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God... And seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, he's been talking about uh, the wrath of God and um, how, how there is this problem in the minds of some of the people in the church. And the problem is uh, that we have had all of these great promises about what God will do and how he will care for us and how he will never fail to be there for us. We had all of those great promises in chapter 8. And then he began to ask questions in chapter 9. Can we trust those promises? Can we really trust that those promises that were promised to all of God's people in chapter 8 would come to fruition for us in the future? Particularly if you look at the nation of Israel. Because didn't the nation of Israel get a whole bunch of promises to them in the Old Testament? And then isn't it true that they didn't have those promises fulfilled to them? And so he's been asking these questions in chapter 9 and highlighting for us that, well, 
in fact, those promises of God were never to all of Israel and were not intended to be to just Israel. But that God selected some that those promises would be true for. And so now he's asking, so if that's the case, then what shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith? But that the Israelites, that, that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law? It, it, is that what we're saying here? Yeah. That's what we're saying here. And now for you and for me, that's not a big problem, right? We, we, we're looking at this and we're going, well, that's not, that's not a huge problem for us. We're Gentiles after all. It's a great solution for us that we get brought into this promise that, that we were not um, pursuing from the outset. But this is a major issue for them. Because they're looking at this and they're going, wait, 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 time out. These are my people. These are my people. I, I grew up with my whole identity being that I was an Israelite. We, we had the law. Everything is about following the law because that's what makes us Israelites, the true Israelites. In fact, we would look at those people who said that they were Israelites or who were born Israelites but not pursuing the law and we would go, what are you doing? This, this is what makes us Israelites, is the law. The keeping of the law, we have all of the instructions from God about this is how we ought to live and this is the things that we should do on Saturdays. And this is the way that we should live our life. And this is the way we should honor our parents. And we shouldn't murder people. And we should not covet. And we should treat our neighbors with respect. And we should do all of these things. Because this is what makes us Israelites. And now Paul is saying, um, no. That's not what made you an Israelite. What do you mean that's not what made me an Israelite? I grew up and I was with these people and I dressed this way and I acted this way and I said these things and that is how I knew that I was in and these were my people. And now what you're telling me is that some of my people are on the outside? That they're not receiving righteousness? And worse, that those other people that are not like us and have not been on the inside, that they get brought in? Are you kidding me? What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is, a righteousness that is by faith. Yeah. They, they get it because it's by faith. They get it because it's by faith. And so here you have these people that the promises, it didn't seem like the promises were for them. It seemed like the promises were for us, the, the people who were on the inside. And yet those people over there, those people on the outside, now Paul is saying that they get included into this. And the perspective for them 
No, it's not entirely true, is that all of Israel is now being rejected and all of the Gentiles are being brought into the promise. And this just cannot be. It's, it's beginning to blow their minds. They can't handle that this might be the case, that the Israelites are being rejected in favor of the nations. But Paul is trying to make very clear to them, look, 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 look. You have been trying so hard to be righteous. But righteousness comes by faith. Righteousness comes by faith. And so these Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it because it's a righteousness that comes by faith. But Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. They they were really wanting to get there, but they didn't arrive. Have you ever had that happen? You set out and this is where you were going to go. You're going on a trip or something. And you had in mind, this is where I'm going to go. And you just never quite get there? After I graduated from high school, my best friend and I, we went on a trip. We were going to go and we were going to hike the Grand Canyon and we were going to camp at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And we did. We loaded both of us up in my old car. Somehow it made it all the way there and all the way back. And we got all the way to the rim of the canyon and we began to hike down and we realized that this was a very steep hike. Some of you already knew that. Not only was it very steep, but it was also very hot because it was July. And so we hiked back out. We went maybe three quarters of a mile down and we got, went, this is not going to work. And we hiked back out and we lightened our loads and we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to wait for it to become evening when the, oh, it's not going to be so hot. And we're just going to take really light packs and then we'll go running down to the bottom and we'll sleep there overnight and then we'll come back out the next morning because we won't have to carry all this gear. And so we did that. Five o'clock in the evening, we took off. 10.30 at night, by flashlight, we found a bare spot that we could sleep on and a little bit of water that we could pump. I have no idea what the water was, but I heard it running and so we put the filter in and we pumped and we got had water. And in the morning at five o'clock, the alarm went off. We still couldn't see. And so by flashlight, we hiked back out. And I have never seen the Grand Canyon from the bottom. (laughs) And the Israelites have been pursuing this thing. It's this dream, this idea, this righteousness. And they have been pursuing it and they have never seen it. And not only that, but now Paul is asking them to redraw their lines of affiliation. As he's saying, look, this is a righteousness that comes not on action and obedience to the law, but by faith. And so now there are Gentiles who are included in because it's by faith, not by action. And there are 
Israelites who are outside because they're still trying to act and not accept it by faith. And so I'm trying to redraw this line for you because he's writing to a church that's in conflict. A church that's divided right down the middle with Jews on one side and Gentiles on the other side and they don't get along and they're trying to figure out what does it mean for us to be the church and what he's saying is forget everything outside, Gentiles. This is your new people. Forget everything outside, Jews. This is your new people. I am redrawing the boundaries for you. How are you drawing the boundaries of your identification in your life? As our culture is so polarized, and you're going, those are my people. But you're seeing some of the things that my people do, I'm not that fond of. And then you've got those people over there that those are definitely not my people over there. How is it that you're defining your circle of affiliation? Who are your people now? In the church, it's got to be by faith. Those who are following a righteousness that comes by faith. It's got to be that. And sometimes we feel like we have been betrayed by the people who are our people. Because they're not going the direction that we want to go. And in that we can understand just a little bit, just a little bit, of what it was like for these Israelites, these Jews who grew up in this heritage, that are now having to redraw the line that doesn't include some of their own people because their people have been redefined as those who are righteous by faith. And it does include some of those people that are so different and weird and have ridiculous ideas, but they believe by faith. So, okay, now I guess they're my brother. If that's the case, that the Gentiles are being brought in as the Israelites are being excluded. Why is that the case? Why is it that the Israelites who pursued a law that would lead them to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law? Verse 32. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it was based on works. How come they didn't get there? It's because they were using the law in the wrong way. He's talked a lot about the law and righteousness already in the book of Romans. Here he just sort of brings it up a little bit. But he's expecting that you remember all the way from the beginning of Romans, which for us which was like 18 months ago. But back in chapter 2 in verse 12, it says, For all who have sinned without the law also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God. That's important to recognize. It's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. 
They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. You you see, he's saying, look, it's not about the law itself. But whether or not you're doing those things. And so whether you received formally that you should not murder and you should not commit adultery and you should not steal and you should not covet, most of the people have an idea in their head that those things are the case. I should not murder and I should not steal and I should not commit adultery and I should not covet. We should already know those things. And yet nobody's really great at keeping all of those things. Let alone the fact that God has revealed Himself from heaven so that there's no excuse for anyone on earth, whether they have received the law or not, that they should know that God is in heaven and how awesome He is. Worthy of praise and respect. So that if you do have the law, you've been told that you should love the Lord your God with all your, all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And when we consider that being the greatest commandment, then how are any of us doing, really? You see, it's a law that is supposed to lead us to righteousness by showing this is what's required of us, and yet none of us can keep that law. Which is the whole point. It's a law that, that is sending us in a direction... So that he says, why is it that they are not included? It's because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Paul goes, remember remember when Isaiah was writing to the Israelites? Remember how he wrote about that stone? Now they're stumbling over that stone. The Israelites, who are not receiving righteousness by faith, but are trying to do it by their efforts, they're stumbling over the stone that that God has placed there. Because in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 to 15, the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. And He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. As, as this uh, invading army was coming forward toward uh, the Israelites and they were seeing this and they're going, what's going on? It's like there's this conspiracy against us. And God's going, no, no, guys, that's not a conspiracy. You've been trusting in all the wrong things rather than trusting in me. You have been stumbling over me, your God rather than looking to me for your hope. Again, in in chapter 28 of Isaiah, in verses 14 to 16, it says, 
Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we've made an agreement with death. And with Sheol, we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made our lies our refuge. And in falsehood, we have taken shelter. Does that sound ridiculous to you? He's putting words in their mouths. The words that they're saying, look, hey, I know there's an army outside and they're coming this way, but they won't get us. We've made pacts and agreements. We will be fine. And he's saying, you're trusting in your lies and falsehoods. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone tested, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. I, I have put this stone here, this stone that's of foundation, this stone that if you run to that stone and you build on that, then you will be safe. It's a sure and precious stone. But apart from there, you're going to be running because they're going to come in. And Paul takes these two passages from Isaiah and he smushes them together and goes, you know how the Lord was the rock of stumbling and also the precious cornerstone on which you're supposed to build your foundation? That's it. That's it. You're stumbling over Him because you are trying to use the law for your own um, achievements. You're trying to get there yourself, not understanding what the law is supposed to do. It's supposed to drive you toward God. In chapter 10 of, of Romans he begins and says, Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. Look, I, guys, I know that they, they are our people. They're, they're our heritage. That's where we come from. And now, now I'm saying, yes, we need to redraw the line so that these are our people. But I still love them. I still love them. I still long for them to be included in this new group of people who are devoted to God. This new understanding of righteousness by faith. I, I still pray for them and long for them to believe. My heart breaks when I think that they are outside of the promises and grace of God and just sitting out there pursuing their own ends and not coming in. Especially because they have this great zeal. They are passionate about what they believe. It's just not in line with knowledge. It's an ignorant passion. You ever seen somebody that is working on something? And they, they are going to get it done. I, I've had this happen with my kids before where I see them working on something. And I, Would you like some help with that? Nope, I've got it. 
And they're just, they're just working on it with a passion. And they've got their brow furrowed and they are concentrating and they are working on it and it is not going to get where they need it to go. Sometimes it's a toy. These are, these are the ones that are saddest to me. It's a toy that isn't working properly and so they're going to fix it. And I'm the dad and I'm, would you like some help with that? I've got it. Would you like some help with that? I've got it. Would you like, would you like some help with that? Oh, it's broken. I knew that was going to happen. Because they were passionate and zealous about fixing their toy that wasn't working properly and I could see it's going to break if you keep doing that and then it broke. And he's saying, look, the Jews are using the law and they are so passionate and zealous about it, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And so they're using the law in all the wrong ways. Have you used a compass before to, to get somewhere? You, you take the compass. I was in scouts for a while, and so we had to get orienteering merit badge. Take that back. We worked on Orienteering Merit Badge. (laughs) Some of us never got there. Because you're supposed to hold it like this, and the arrow points, and then you turn the little dial, and it tells you, okay, if north is this way, I need to go this. And so then you walk paces. And you go this far this way, and then you turn, and you recalibrate, and calculate, okay, and now I need to go this way. And pretty soon, you, you're like, okay, it should be right here. And the guy who is overseeing this is looking at you going, it's on the other side of the lake. I don't even know how you got off this far to be over here. And then on the back of the, the compass, if you flip it over, there's a mirror So that when you get lost and you can't find your way with the compass, you can use the mirror to flash and say, this is where I'm at. S-O-S, please send help. And what he's saying in this is that you have these Jews who are taking the law, this compass, and they flipped it over and they're looking at themselves in the mirror. Huh. Oh, my face looks a little dirty. Yeah, that's better. Ah, I'm looking pretty good. You're lost. Well, I know, but look at how good I look while I'm lost. (laughs) Flip it over. Use the other side of the compass. It's supposed to show you where to go. Yeah, no, but this side shows me how good I look while I'm here. Because the law is supposed to show them how inadequate they are and point them toward a need. That's what the compass is for. It's to point you to your goal, to where you need to go. And instead they flipped it over and used it sideways and gone, okay, if I work really hard, then I can feel pretty good about myself because I'm doing most of the things in the law. Did you do all the things in the law? No, but most of them I did pretty good. And I'm working really hard 
I'm very passionate about this and I think God will reward my efforts because I'm very passionate about this. Am I stepping on toes yet? I bet that God really just thinks it's how passionate I am. No. No, you can be passionately wrong. Passionately, zealously wrong. Many, many people are. And then you hear people say, well, I think God really knows their intentions. Yeah, their intentions are to accomplish righteousness on their own. Apart from Him. Apart from faith. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They didn't submit to God's righteousness. The whole law was demonstrating to them that they could not achieve righteousness on their own and so they had to make sacrifices and accept by faith righteousness from God. The whole thing was there to show them how inadequate they were and they could not, apart from Him, have righteousness. Which is why the Gentiles are now getting in. Because the Gentiles are hearing about how they are supposed to be before God, and they go, that's not going to happen. Okay, believe by faith that He gives you that righteousness. Yes, please, sign me up for that. And the Jews are going, no, 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 I got this. I, I can do it. You can't. You can't, it's too hard. No, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've got this one. I just need, I just need a Phillips screwdriver. Please don't use the Phillips screwdriver. No, I've got springs. Because they're trying to do it on their own. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And now when we read this in English, we look at that and go, no more law, Christ ended it. And that's because we misread this. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying Christ ended it. It's saying Christ was the goal of it. He was the end. As in, you're on your trip and you reached your end. The whole thing was the compass pointing to Him so that you might, in your pursuit of righteousness, recognize you cannot get there and so you grab Christ because that's what it's pointing to. He's the fulfillment, the completion of the law. Everything directing us right down the middle to Him. Like when you were on your way to church this morning. You were on your journey to church and you stopped when you got here because you had arrived. And when you're following the law and you get to Christ, you have arrived because you find a righteousness that comes by faith. Christ, that stumbling stone, Christ, that foundation stone, 
That one and the same, that one, if you're trying to pursue your own righteousness, you're going to trip and fall over him and land flat on your face and embarrass yourself. But otherwise, if you arrive and go, where is, oh, it's, he's Christ right here. I'm going to start my foundation right here. And everything I do from this point on, I'm going to build on Christ as the foundation. This is my stable place. This is my security. This is my shelter. This is the place where I receive righteousness from God by faith in Him. Because I know, I know, that I couldn't achieve righteousness on my own. And so Jesus came. Jesus came to be that one-time sacrifice, right? The, the law said, if you don't achieve righteousness, then you have to have these sacrifices to atone for it. You have to have these sacrifices that appease the wrath of God. You have to have these sacrifices that make you righteous before God. And so when we get here, we say, aha, Jesus is the one-time sacrifice, the one-time perfect sacrifice who ends it because it all pointed to Him. And so now He fulfills in one sacrifice through His death on a cross, our need for sacrifice so that we might receive the righteousness that comes through Him by faith. We get to celebrate that this morning. We have uh, communion here this morning. We've got uh, two tables here in the front and two in the back. And we get to celebrate that when we reach Christ, we have ended our journey. When we reach Christ, we find a righteousness that comes by faith and we can stop working so hard. Because now we are going to build on this foundation of Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning if you feel weary from trying to achieve that righteousness, that self-worth, lay that down and believe in Christ this morning. If you have been identifying with your people, but they are outside of faith, lay that down. Take hold of a new identity based on the foundation of faith in Christ. Some of you have been standing on this foundation for a long time and yet you're tempted to be pulled away. You're tempted to be pulled away by people who are saying, Oh, we are your people. Come over here. Or you begin to look at the work that you are doing as you're building on the foundation of Christ and you start to look at yourself and you've turned that compass over. And you think that it is now based on your efforts. Yes, you came to Christ, you got in by faith, but now it's by effort. Lay that down. Set that aside. Because this morning we want to remember that our righteousness, yours and mine, all of the people of God, whether Israelites 
or Gentiles, all of us together receive righteousness in the same way. Which is why we come together, we take the bread and the cup back to our seats and we all take it together. We identify each of us individually that this is our need, my need for the forgiveness that comes through faith in Christ's sacrifice. And we all do it together because we are all in the same place on this. And so if that's what you believe this morning, I would encourage you during the next song to either come up or go to the back and take a a piece of the bread and a cup uh, back to your spot. Uh, We have, if you need gluten-free, there's a couple of those at each station. Um, And then I will come back up after the next song and we will all take it together. But now let's pray. Oh Lord God, we come to you this morning and we have come from a variety of places and Lord, I ask that we would all end up at the same place. Would you speak to our hearts and would you speak to our minds through the work of the Holy Spirit that we might set down any self-righteousness that we have um, propped up? I pray that you would help us to uh, lay down any affiliations that we have with people who are not your people so that we might first and foremost belong to your community of those who have faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning who have struggled for a long time that you would free them of the burden You would free them of the burden of their sin. You would free them of the burden of their self-righteousness. That they might rejoice this morning in the Savior who has died on their behalf. Jesus, our Lord. Amen.